Hello and welcome to the podcast of Revival Fires. We're so pleased that you've chosen to tune in and listen to this message. And our prayer for you is that it will bless you, it'll lead you to an encounter with Jesus Christ, and it'll set you up for revival. This message by Trevor Baker is entitled, The Call is a Seed. We'd love for you to get involved and join us on this journey of revival. Visit our website, revivalfires.org.uk and find us on all social media platforms. We can't wait to connect with you. I put out on my um, Facebook a um, couple of days ago the call, who will pick up? You know, are you ready to pick up? And there was a telephone there, but it needed somebody to pick up. You can have somebody on the other end of the line, but if you don't pick up, the message doesn't get to you. The call doesn't come through to you. See, there's always something that we have to do. I want you to know this morning that God's calling is to, wants to come into your life. And I put a, a little title there saying, the seed, the call is the seed from which the purpose of God grows. See, I wonder how many of you have taken the seed of your call and you have sown it into your life. We're going to look at how we can sow that into our lives. But as we sow it into our lives, I see so many people, even people in church, and they're looking at what they should be doing. I believe God is speaking. I believe God wants to call every one of us. I believe that there is a seed that he wants to put into each and every one of us. You see, it's like this. It's like this. You see, everybody wants to grab an orchard. If I was to say to you, there's a great orchard for you to have, you'd say, I'm in. Show me the orchard. You know, and yet there's sometimes, there's sometimes when is all, can you just hold up? See, there's sometimes when it's not about an orchard. You see, it's about a seed. And that seed, if I can do this, there it is. And it's the seed that you couldn't see, but it's there. That's like the call of God. It's a seed, but you have to look for it in order to find it. You can easily see an orchard, and everybody wants to run to the orchards, but you see, the call is like a seed. I'm going to have to do something to my hands afterwards. I'm trying to get a seed out of here. It's these new apples, seedless apples. There it is. There it is. And there is the seed. Can you see it? Can you see it? The seed. But you see, you have to look for it. It doesn't just come. See, a picking up. You have to pick up the phone. It doesn't just give you the message. Thanks, Sharon. It doesn't just give you the message. But will you look for the seed? Will you look for the call? Will you so search out what God is wanting to say and speak into your life. You see, the thing about a call is this. You don't call anyone that you don't want. Have you noticed that? I mean, you don't pick up the phone and say, who can I call that I don't want? <laughs> if you do, you shouldn't be here. 
there's another place for people like that. But you see, we don't. You see, a call comes because you want that person. You don't call anyone you don't want. If you had any sense, you would have to realize that there is purpose before a call. And I'll explain that to you in a moment. You see, so often when we call somebody, you call a plumber because you want a pipe fixed. You call a mechanic because you need an engine fixed. You call an accountant because you want financial advice. You don't call people you don't need. Who do you need? Let me tell you, you need the Lord Jesus Christ more than what you realize. And Jesus only called people that he wanted. Isn't that good? In Mark's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 13, it says, And Jesus called all those to him that he wanted. You see, Jesus wants you to know that you are wanted. That would deal with all of the sense of rejection, inferiority, insignificance, the very fact that God is calling you, he's calling me to a purpose. Isn't that amazing? And you see, if you turn now to Romans chapter 8, I'm going to open this up a little bit more this morning. You see, there's common characteristics about a corner. As you're turning there, I'll just explain some things. You see, there's a sense of the call of God. Who gives the call? Well, the Father gives the call. You know, I believe as you read, particularly the Old Testament, there's a sense of, you know, when God called Abraham to leave his country, leave his family and leave his own people and go to the place that he would show him. I believe it was the father because he was saying to you, and I will make you a father of many nations. See, there's a call that comes from the Father. See, we need to learn how to distinguish the voice of God. I remember Bobby Connor saying to us here one time that we hardly know the God we worship. Get to know the names of God. Well, he's called Father. He's called Jesus. You see, there is a call that Jesus releases. And I could talk about Moses. I believe it was the father speaking to Moses. Why? Because he was wanting to open up a door to a whole people group called the Jews and Israel. He called. It was the father, I believe, that called a David to come from the sheepfold into the house to receive a call of God in terms of the kingdom. Do you see the development? And revelation is always progressive. So you have Abraham the father, Moses the deliverer of a people out of bondage. But then you have David who's establishing a kingdom. 
And then you come in with the prophets, with Elijah. And God says to Elijah, go to the brook Kidron because there I've commanded the ravens to feed you. Now listen, that was a big call for somebody like an Elijah who walked around with camels, cloth, hair, sacking, probably of a Levitical and a Nazarene order because John was like that too and Elijah was the forerunner of John. And he tells him to go and he's going to eat carrion. Meat. That is meat from dead, pe- dead um, animals. Israel was forbidden to eat meat that was killed or died in the wilds. And so here there is always something that God breaks into our lives with. And you could look at all of those. But what about the call of God? Is he having that sense of purpose before you call a person? You see, if I need, if I need my pipes fixed, if I need my heater in my house, my boiler fixed, I already know the purpose of why I'm calling the plumber. Do you understand? I already know what it is I'm calling the plumber for. I don't just call to him and say, oh, hi, um, Stu, because that's the plumber, my plumber's name. I don't just call him and say, Stu, can you come? Or what do you want me to do? No, just come. I'm sure you'll sort it out what you need to do when you arrive here. Yeah, you call a mechanic, can you just come? Well, what's wrong with your car? I don't know. I don't even have a car. See, you call somebody because there is a purpose for which you're making the call. Now listen, I want you to know that God has called you because he had a purpose. Hallelujah. And he saw that he wanted you in order to meet the need of that situation. Come on. And it isn't about apostles and prophets. We've made too much of it. It's about the housewife or the house husband. It's about the office worker, the cleaner, the care worker, the the counsellor, the youth support person. And I could go on. It's about the checkout person. It's about the shop assistant. You see, we have made something that God never intended call to ever be made out of. God has a purpose. Why? Because he has this incredible plan. It's an eye-watering. Miracle-busting plan. And do you know what the plan is? To cover the earth with his glory. I mean, listen, that's jaw-dropping stuff. It's jaw-dropping because it means it's in your office, it's in your shop, it's in your counselling room, it's in your accountant firm, 
It's in your hospital. It's on your ward. And I could go on. It's in your school. That that's where God's glory wants to come. And yes, He will release every gift that you need because every gift comes out of His grace. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you may abound in that work that He's called you to. Hallelujah. Are you getting this this morning? I want to so reduce it down that everybody has a sense of calling in their lives. You see, for you, you are called in order to serve. And again, we have made so much out of sonship that we forget what it is to be servants of the Lord Jesus. Jesus said, a servant is not above its master. If I, your master, have kneeled down to wash your feet, how much more should you do that to one another? Don't be like the Romans who lord it over. You see, there is an aspect of service, of serving. And we need to serve what? The purpose of God in our generation. Are you with me this morning? Tell somebody, I want to serve the purpose of God. Oh, you've got to say it with a little bit more conviction than that. I want to serve the purpose of God. You see, so there's the Father, Son, there's also the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 13, it says, the Holy Spirit said, separate me, Saul and Barnabas, for the ministry to which I have called them. Wow. See, we don't want to narrow down our call. We're wanting to open up the fullness of the Godhead so that He can speak to us. And there are some people that overemphasize a Jesus call. Some people emphasize a Holy Spirit call. Let's just believe that God wants to call every one of us. And it doesn't matter how He calls you, whether it is that you're the backside of a mountain or whether it is that you're sitting down mending your nets by the edge of a lake, or whether you're running into a city in order to persecute people like us. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that day that God had singled out a Paul? Huh? If you were down there in Damascus and you knew Paul was coming, into the meeting? Aren't you glad that God called him just before he entered the city? I mean, your, your neck was next. You see how timely God's call is. See, David served the purpose of God in his generation. See, I want you to get hold of this for yourselves today, to serve the purpose of God. You know, those are some of the common things that we find in Scripture about the call. Also, the call is unpredictable. You never know when it's going to happen. 
You know, when the call comes, it brings disruption. Have you ever had God disturb you? I remember somebody preaching. I don't know who it was, but I heard it from a Steve Thomas. And he got it for someone else. And he said, God disturbs the comfortable and comforts the disturbed. Which category are you in? I believe that God wants to disturb us. I believe all that we've come through has been a disruption of God in order to refocus the church on the high call of God in their life. And I'll talk about, I'll talk about that heavenly call, the blueprint of heaven. We'll get there some week. Because Paul, Paul said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And it's not that we've been called up to go and roam around heaven, to walk down the corridors, to enter into rooms of revelation, and all those things are real. But we're not called to be running around heaven. We are called in order to bring heaven here, here on the earth. That's what we're called for. So yes, go there. But then come back here. You know, I've been so amazed as I've looked at the story of David. David was fighting a great big battle. There was thousands of them and he had 400. In debt, depressed and discouraged people. I mean, come on. How would you like leading a band like that, Ryan? Huh? I mean, it would be my worst nightmare. And, and not only that, it would be their worst nightmare if they tried to follow me. But how would you feel? Here they are, Philistines, and you've got a bunch of people. They're hiding in a cave called Adullam. In debt, depressed, and discouraged. And it says, and David made them into a fighting army. Why? Call of God. What was the call of God? God had a call on David's life with 400 men to attack the Philistine camp. Not Goliath. He'd already done that. That was a one-on-one. That was just to see if David had heard the call. And so now he had a few lessons that he had learned by experience that he could pass on to 400 people, but he only took 300 with them. And do you know what his prayer was when God called him to go? He says, Lord, this is going around the courts of heaven. He says, Lord, shall I go against this camp of the Philistines? Do you know what God did? He sent the angel, archangel Michael, in full battle array, he sent an army of angels all carrying the double-edged swords that had been made in the heavenly realm. One for each hand. He had sent prophets to David. No, he didn't. And some people would like you to think that that's what God does all the time. Do you know what he did? He just said to David, David, go. 
I've given them into your hand. Now, why did David take that as gospel? Because he knew the voice of God. See, we can have all the teaching about hearing the voice of God and never really know it. And so you do another course. And listen, if you haven't done the course hearing the voice of God, get into it. It's a great course. But you see, and then the 300 men said to him, I don't think we should go up against these Philistines. So you know what David did? He didn't kick them up the butt and say, come on, we're going. He went back to God and he said, God, are you sure that we should go up against the Philistines? And God says, yes, go. I've given them into your hand. On the strength of those two sentences, David took 300 men against a camp of Philistines and he broke through and gave Israel a great victory. Give him praise. See, that is what the call of God can do on your life. He'd had the call just a little earlier in his life, a few years earlier. So during that time, he'd got to know God's voice. I want you to get to know God's voice so that as you hear his call, his call in the classroom, what should I do in this situation? Don't go to the Philistines. See, God was removing, Philistines just speak of worldly wisdom, common sense. Listen, 300 men against a camp of Philistines is not common sense. In fact, it's nonsense. No sense. And yet, that's what God did. In your classroom, in your place of work, in your hospital, in your office, in the checkout. Do you hear what God wants to say in that situation? Because let me tell you, the Philistines are all around us. They really are. Do you know what Philistines do? They build carts to carry the ark because they know it's easier. But you see, God wants us to carry his presence on our shoulders. It's not easy. See, why? You see, the ark in the New Testament is the yoke of Jesus. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. It's a picture of two oxen working together, serving the younger oxen, serving the older oxen. The older oxen pouring into the younger oxen so that he will get to know the gentle touch of the plowman, of the harvester. Do you understand? So that then it becomes easier and they begin to plow straight furrows. They begin to thresh wheat and corn and bring in harvest. You need that. See, and in the New Testament, it's a yoke. In the old, it was an ark. But both is about presence. Jesus said, take my 
yoke upon you. Learn from me. What were the Israelites to do? They were to take the ark upon their shoulders. And it was the Levites who were to teach them between the profane and the holy. Hallelujah. And so here, let's get back to this core. That was a little side for you. And here, see, God's call will disrupt your life. Do you know, recently, I think it was um, Anne or Ellie, they sent me a picture of the house that we had in Telford. And um, the house where God called me and Sharon to work with people with addictive problems. And um, that was a disruption. You know, when the call came, it was total disruption. Now, I need to tell you that before the call, God had started to make his purpose known to me, to work amongst young people. And, uh, and with that, me and Sharon, we um, heard about Denmark Youth for Christ. And, um, and so we, we applied to go and work for Denmark Youth for Christ in the red light district of Copenhagen. So we'd gone over there. Now, what you need to know is how the call came. There was um, a man who was leading the um, work of Denmark Youth for Christ. And he said, I will meet you in Heathrow Airport. I said, well, how will I know it's you? He said, I'll be carrying a bunch of tulips. Talk about tulips from Amsterdam, you know. And so me and Sharon went and we saw this man. I can remember the first thing he said to me was this. He said, you know, when I was young, I had 10 ideals and no children. Now I've got 10 children and no ideals. He said, because they just keep breaking out of the box of my ideals. That's the first thing he said to us. And, um, And then he called us to go to Copenhagen. So the call came. So we went there. I came back from Copenhagen and then wrote up a um, two-year plan of how we were going to take over the red light district of Copenhagen and how we're going to have this center, which they already had the building, and and I'd worked out how we're going to do, do things, breaking out into the community, ministering to people, releasing people with addictive problems. And, um, and I finished this whole program. And I thought, I was really pleased. And laid it all out, and I was ready to send it off. And I went to a meeting um, in um, Whitney. That's where we were living before we came to Telford. And um, in the meeting, there was a prophet there, came up to us, and um, he said these words. You've made your plans, now put them away. I just finished them that night before I went to the meeting. I'm thinking, God, these are good plans. <laughs> and, uh, and then later on, another prophet spoke into our lives and said these words. You've been on the edges and God is going to put you in the middle of the battle. And there are things that's taken place in your life and that was just a preparation for what 
you're going to be um, confronting in this next season of your life. I went home. Uh, sorry, Sean wasn't there at that point. I went home, told Sean this. We turned on the television, and uh, on the television it says Telford in Shropshire has the worst heroin addiction problem in the whole of the Midland, the greater Birmingham area. And as we looked at this program, God spoke to us instantly and said, and that is the midst of the battle. Now, why do I tell you all of that? We bought a house, we sold a nice house in Oxford, and we bought a house on a hill called the Mount in Telford. You can see it from miles around. You could never get lost. And, um, and so we, we bought this house and we had five people who had addictive problems living with us. Get hold of call. I'd never done any training with regard to addiction. Well, I had, and that was by experience, which is no good in that sense when you're trying to lead people away from drug addiction. And, um, and so we, we had a house that changed people's lives. And recently I had this picture sent to me and I looked at this house that somebody had refurbished, the house that we had. I mean, it was a basic house. You know, you could, you could get out at night through the cellar, go use drugs and come back in by the morning and nobody would know. There were people who would come to us, people who had been in prison for murder, people who had years of addiction. One person's arm was like a um, bag of cement where he'd been injecting with all the other chemicals and stuff that they put in and blocked all his arteries. All of those things. But we bought the house to change people's lives. And recently I saw the picture... I mean, I wish I could show you. It is palatial. Palatial. And they've used their lives to change a house. Do you see the difference? See, we can spend our lives just trying to beautify where we live. Our lives. Or do we use our lives in order to change other people's lives? See, that's how the call of God comes. We had people saying to us, there's no ethos in this house. There's no atmosphere. I didn't even know what they were going on about. It's too small. You'll never get people to stay here. Well, people did. Because of the call of God. Started little. We took everything that we had. See, we look for the seed Not the orchard. See, the orchard's already what somebody else has sorted out. When you look at the seed, you have to be careful to break it open, do something with it. He called those he wanted. See, what is it that God wants you for? See, Jesus called 12 apostles so that they would be with him. See, person. But he had a great project. He had a great 
purpose for their lives. Do you know what their purpose was? Instead of being fishermen, they become um, fishers of men. See, he just changes something, but that change is so disruptive. Is God disrupting your life? Changing some things? You've been going through some difficult times. You see, we give up what we couldn't see. We gave up what we could see for what we couldn't see. See, you can't see a seed. You can see an orchard. You can't see a call. You have to get a picture, a big picture of God's purpose. When you get that, you look for the seed that's going to take you there. And it says in Romans 8, listen to this, and we know that all things God works for our good. For those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. See, what is the purpose of God for your life, for my life? What is it? You know, you say, well, he's called me to be a prophet. But how does that work out? Where is the widow that he's sending you to? That is going to bring about a testimony of provision. Where is the city that has bitter water that God is going to use you to put salt in that's going to revolutionize that city? Where are the lepers that you're going to say dip in a pool and they're going to be healed? You see, we can have a whole lot of things as this we've been called to be a prophet, but it works out by changing people's lives. Or does our life just change us? That was never the purpose. And so he, who those he called, or them he called. Listen to what it says. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, so that they may be the firstborn amongst many brothers, and those he predestined, that word comes in again, he also called. And those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. How does, I know, those he foreknew. See, is it that we're just in this fatalistic plan of God in terms of calling? Yeah, I don't believe we are. I believe that calling is something so wonderful. This word for new. This word that we so often put down to, well, God knows everything and he doesn't really need me. Listen, God wants you. Because he's got a purpose and you're part of that purpose. So that he can make himself known to those people that you have access to. And it's like this. Foreknowledge is like this. It's like the weatherman. And you watch the, weather, the news and you've got the weatherman. And he, he, what he does, he gives you a weather report. And he reports that, you know, over the next 24 hours... We might have sun. No. 
the next 24 hours where there's going to be sun and there may be showers interspersed. Now the thing is, he is giving you a forecast. Have you got it? He is forecasting. He's not making the weather. He doesn't just go into his little cupboard afterwards and say, now I'm making rain and sun, I'm going to send it over Dudley, all of those. He doesn't make it and he doesn't make umbrellas for you to have to go out in the rain. But you've got enough information, a forecast because of his foreknowledge, that you can take out an umbrella and with that it will save you getting wet. That's not that he foreknew into a place of being fatalistic that you had no choice in it. You have every choice. You can go out in your swimsuit if you want to and forget the umbrella. It's not the point. The point was he, what he forecast, it was because he foreknew by looking at the things that were about to take place. Those he foreknew, he also predestined. Have you got that? See, that's what the call of God is like. He foreknew this word predestined. It's an incredible word. It really is. And, um, and as you just break it up, this word predestined, pre, that which is in advance. See, that's what pre means. What's something that has been done in advance. So God asks predestined. Do you know what destiny can be broken down? And that is endings. Your destiny has an end. So the predestined means that God has so ordered things in your life to a particular end. And in that, he has allowed you the ability to choose so that every single person, man, woman, and child, there is something that God has in store in advance for your life and it will come to an ending if you're prepared to listen to his foreknowledge, his forecasting about your life. So put away your plans. That's a forecast. You put them away and you're moving into your predestined place. It works so easily. And you could keep working this through all through your life. See, Jesus, it was, he was predestined before the foundation of the world. That he should go to the cross. But you see, Jesus, knowing the forecast, he then had to embrace it. And in the embracing, he worked out the purposes of God step by step so that he would come to the desired or the destined ending. Hallelujah. And God has the same for me and for you. Are you with me this morning? And so here, well, some of you are. And so the call is a seed from which 
the purpose of God grows. Will you pick up the call? What has God got for you? How do we step into all of that? His pre-advanced. How do you know the ordering of God's steps for your life? Let me tell you, sometimes we go through enough pain so that we would have conviction when he pulls us out. Do you understand? See, some people wonder why they're going through all of this, but sometimes it's so that you can have a conviction of what God has taken you out of. And in that conviction of taking you out is what's happened. It pushes you into the purpose of God. We are called and it hinges on two things. I said last week it hinges on the call of God in our friendships. I want to rephrase that. Don't think it's wrong, but I believe the call of God hinges. Or our destiny. It hinges on that which turns our lives, which is our call and what God has predestined. That's what turns our lives around. That's what our lives hinge on. And so often we go through things. We go through aspects in our lives. We go through times of rejection. We go through times of pain. We go through times where we're not recognized. We go through times where we feel isolated. We go through times when nobody seems to understand us. And why? Because God is doing something in our lives. If you don't believe me, read the scriptures. Why do these things take place? He works all things together for good. For those who love him and are called according to his purpose. See, what are you going through? What situation are you in that you need God to take you out from? Let me tell you, it will get to a point where God has to take you out. Why? Because there is a deep conviction in your heart. And that deep conviction is a people group and a plan that God has that he's going to use you in order to reach out to certain people. And listen, I'm not talking about being an addict to reach out to the addicts. I don't believe that Jesus ever put an injection into his arm and yet he identifies with addiction. Why? Because he knows what it's like to be an outcast, rejected. He knows what it is to be treated like a criminal and yet he never once committed a crime. See, you go through things in order that you may bring the call of God into other people's lives. See, what are you called to? See, what people are you called to? Can you understand that the things that you're going through, they may be difficult things, but let me tell you, God has a purpose. Why? Because out of that, you know, you can go through, women can go through barrenness and they try and they try and try and still no children. But that puts a deep, deep longing, a deep compassion in their heart. And then God brings a child and that child is they've never birthed it themselves. But there is such a deep compassion in that person for that child that only barren woman 
could minister to the deep needs of that child's life. Not by telling them that they were barren and God gave you this. Just from the point of what they'd gone through, their hearts had been opened up in order to take hold of someone else as child and pour into that child the love of a mother, the love of a father, in order that that child would grow up and take hold of God's purpose in that child's life. Can you see? And then we wonder why are we going through all things work together for good, for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Oh, get hold of this today. See, you're called because he needs you. Who are wanted? You. A purpose that was predestined before he ever called a person. God had a plan. God had a plan. As I finish this morning, I just want to take you to Jonah. I was just meditating on Jonah. You see, you can think you've got to have everything right. God called Jonah, told him to go to Nineveh. I don't know how many messages I've had, um, heard about Jonah and his disobedience and running away from God. I believe Jonah was running into the purpose of God. But he hadn't got the deep conviction that he needed to go and bring compassion to such a, such a brutal nation who would, who would take people and just the ways in which they would kill them was just brutal. And here, you see, he was told to go to Nineveh and he went the opposite direction. I've heard many, many situations. No. He was walking with the purpose of God, but he hadn't got the conviction that he needed. He hadn't got the compassion that he needed in order to reach out to a city that had persecuted his own people. And what does God do? You see, this is what it is. You turn to chapter 1, I think it's verse 19. It says, and the Lord provided a great whale. The provision of God. If he hadn't have run in that direction, he would have never met with the provision of God for his life. I wonder what direction you're running in. You can think, well, I'm running away from God. No, you're not. You're not that smart. You're not that good. You're not that fast. Even Usain Bolts. Can you see? He was running with the purpose of God. And he needed that whale to take hold of him. And listen, I do believe that the whale swallowed Jonah because the Bible says. I wouldn't believe it if the Bible said Jonah swallowed the whale because it's impossible. Do you understand? There are certain things that we have to, and I've heard people say that I believe the Bible if it said that Jonah swallowed the whale. I wouldn't. But you see, he had to come to a place where God had so put within him a compassion that fitted the purpose. And if he hadn't, he would have never been able 
to tell the Ninevites to repent. And God saved the city. Why? That was his end purpose. Can God save cities today? Yes. How's he going to do it? Through me and you. And as we do that, as we take hold, see, as we begin to reach out, let us find purpose in the process. The process of finding. Jesus said, no man can enter the kingdom of heaven unless he is born again. A radical change to his life. No one can ever enter the kingdom unless he is born again. Not born, uh, born of water and born of the spirit. A natural birth and a spiritual birth. See, you have to seek out the seed of the kingdom. That's where the call of God comes. It's with regard to his kingdom. So you have to understand that the place where you work, the place where you live, your family, you have to see it in the light of the kingdom of heaven. And if you see it in the light of the kingdom, then you bring heaven's plan down to earth. So that earth is reflective of God's heavenly vision. Amen? And so for you this morning, how do we take hold of it? Listen, take hold of the small things in your life. You know, some of the things that I teach today, do you know where I learned, where I studied to teach it? was in a little Bible study group in a place called Stagumba with three people. Say three, five people. Me and Sharon and three elderly people. And I talk, when I talk elderly, I'm talking 70, 80, and 85. That was where I started to teach people. That's where I prepare. I... And I prepared no less then than what I do now. You see, sometimes we don't like to take the small things and give our attention to it. See, doing that which is excellent in the small. Before the orchard's there, anybody can have great accreditation seeing an orchard, seeing all the stuff that's there growing. But nobody pays much attention when you're a little seed and an apple, wondering where you're going to plant it. Wondering whether this will ever grow in somebody's life, whether this teaching will ever be any value to somebody. But you just do it. And you continue to do it with excellence. And you do it on the, ex you do it on the level that you're at now. Look at David. Look at Moses. Look at Abraham. All started at this level, but God raised them up to this level. See, and I want you to get hold of God's call. I want you to move into a place where if you give attention to the seed, breakthrough will come. 
if you give attention to the seed. See, when you put that seed in the ground and you give attention to it, looking after the small, what happens, there will come a time when it breaks through the ground. And as it breaks through the ground, it's the beginning of something new. But you can't break through the ground without giving attention to the small. Excel in the small things. Do well in the small aspects of your call. And who knows what God will open up for you in his predestined plan. What he has set out in advance for you to bring to a conclusion of his work in people's lives. Why don't you stand this morning? I want to pray for you. I would encourage you this week to write down what God speaks to you. Write down the passages that he's spoken into your life, the prophetic words. I've said this so many times, but it really needs us to give attention to it. Daily attention. You know, you don't give it the daily attention, it will not grow. If you don't put it into good seed, good soil. And listen, I know Ryan preached a great message in terms of the soil. But listen, you have to plant vines in rocky ground. Listen, that's not about the condition of your heart. That's what it requires for certain things to grow. You can't put, you can't put other fruits in rocky ground. You can't put wheat in rocky ground. But you see, there are some ground. You see, we think, oh, God, I need to clear out all the rocks. The rocks that you've come through were there so that your roots could wrap around them. The rock Christ Jesus so that the winds of affliction, the difficulties, all of those things will never blow you over. But you stand there and you bear fruit. Fruit that remains. And that fruit becomes much fruit. And the fruit becomes more fruit. And people get to taste and see the goodness of God. Amen. Put your hand on your hearts this morning. Father, I want to pray. I could have preached a message on breakthrough. But I want to pray that God would sow Enable you to see the seed and to give attention to the seed from which the purpose of God will grow in your life. And as you give it attention so that there would be that breakthrough. Listen, there's some of you here this morning that the word of the Lord to you is promotion to a new level is about to break through. Somebody needs to receive that. Promotion to another level is about to break through. Receive it this morning. Thank you, Lord. As you got your hand on your heart, Father, I want you to impart to everyone here this morning 
a sense. I don't know how else to do it, Lord. But you would impart a sense that they are wanted. Deep, deep, deep in the core of their being. And that they're wanted by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Lord, it has to come by an impartation because we have so many woundings, bruises, brokenness, rejection, afflicting, affliction, so many areas of pain and hurt in our lives that we would never sort out apart from a sense of being wanted. And so, Lord, I just release, just receive it right now. Receive an impartation that you're wanted. That you're wanted. Whether you've been divorced, whether you have had multiple relationships, whether you've been in prison, whether is all you are is the cleaner and all that that may bring to you. I want you to know this morning that you're wanted. Don't ever forget it. You're wanted. Jesus called those whom he wanted to be with him. And he gave them the title apostles and he sent them out with a purpose and that was to preach the gospel and to heal the oppressed what a purpose ordinary fishermen Father, release that sense of being wanted this morning. Say, receive it now. Pick it up. It's for you. Welcome it into your life this morning. Because as you welcome that sense of wanting, you're welcoming the one who wants you. And he has a great purpose for your life. Predestined. He foreknew this moment. I release that over you this morning in the name of Jesus. Now lift up your hands and just applaud God's word this morning. Thank you, Lord.